Good morning, and welcome to episode 595 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, presented by the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. I am Ben Lindbergh of Grantland, normally joined by Sam Miller of Baseball Prospectus, who is on vacation until Friday's episode. So joining me today is a frequent guest and frequent guest co-host, Russell Carlton of BP. Hello, Russell. They're sending in the B team. <laughs> right. And we have another guest today. Sam and I haven't done a ton of Cooperstown talk this winter. Typically, we save it all up for one big blowout episode with a mustachioed man who at at some point this year will be able to say that he has written the book on the Hall of Fame, but (laughs) can already say that he writes a book's worth of Hall of Fame articles every winter. Jay Jaffe of Sports Illustrated. Hey, Jay. Hey, good to be here. So most of you are listening to this on Monday. Tomorrow is the day when the Hall of Fame voting results will be announced. Uh, The the votes have already been submitted. So somewhere in the depths of the BBWAA, they are now being tabulated, presumably. So uh, looking at the information we have, the various sources that have compiled all the public votes and just the sense that you're getting from people who aren't saying what do you expect that we will see on tuesday boy you know i think we're going to get a a bounty of uh hall of famers and uh, you know i think at the very least we're going to get three uh and it's quite possible that we get four and boy if you look at the 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 public ballot tracker I, i don't think it's out of the question that we could even get five um, which would be miraculous if that happened. But uh, uh, at the very least, I think we're, we're, we're almost certainly going to get three, which uh, it would be the first time since 1954, 1955 that we've had uh, at least three in back-to-back years. Uh-huh. And there's usually a, a pretty big gap for some of these candidates between the, the pre-release exit poll numbers and the actual ones. So right now, Mike Piazza is just tracking above the 75% threshold. So he might not make it. Biggio is maybe out of the danger zone or he's, he's close to, you know, I've got, when I'm looking at the, um, at the, 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 uh, Ryan Tibbs, I guess that's how you say it, uh, uh, tracker, which has 134 ballots in, uh, he and, uh, Biggio and Piazza are separated by one vote. Uh, one's, uh, uh, Biggio's at just above 80% and Piazza's uh, 79.85%. Um, you know, I guess it's a little bit wider in the uh, uh, the, the uh, baseball think factory uh, one. Um, you know, with Piazza, there's about a 5% uh, for five percentage points of separation there. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's quite possible that, that Piazza, you know, doesn't get in, but he's going to be positioned well to uh, to get in next year at, at, at worst. And uh um, I think we're going to see uh, uh, some progress up the ladder here for some other guys too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what are what are the biggest surprises in in these numbers that we have yet, or or the biggest gains that that surprised you? Know, you look, biggest right losses. Now, optimistically speaking, it looks to me like Tim Raines could top sixty percent. He's at sixty seven point point one six percent on the uh, on the on the detailed tracker and sixty. Uh, 66.2% on the, on the think factory one. So, um, even allowing, you know, for, for some fall off there, uh, you know, among the, uh, uh, the anonymous, uh, hordes, 
Um, I think there was about an 8% percentage point gap last year. Uh, I think we're going to see him come close to 60%. That would be uh, uh, a, you know, a nice, uh, uh, a nice gain for him after he got, uh, uh, I think 52% in, in 2013, then fell back to about 46% last year. So, uh, to restore that momentum, especially considering that he's only got uh, two more cracks at it uh, on on the writer's ballot, um, you know, I think would be uh, an encouraging sign because uh, uh, that's about the gap that you could make up in, in two years there uh, if you're above 60%. So, Jay, we've got Randy Johnson, we've got Pedro Martinez, and we have John Smoltz. How did he get in there? <laughs> you know, I think there's there is definitely something to the fame aspect of this. Um, you know, let's not forget that 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 it's right there on the title of the institution. Um, and you know, Smoltz is famous. Uh, he has the benefit of having been on that uh, uh, that Braves uh, dynasty that that uh, made uh, uh, all those uh, postseason appearances from 1991 to I guess it was 2005. Uh Um, and, uh, was, you know, was part of five world series teams and, uh, a great postseason pitcher and, uh, the veneer of, uh, versatility, uh, because he was successful both as a starter and as a closer, you know, even though, uh, when you look at him, uh, his numbers, uh, you know, to me, and I think to a lot of other people are, you know, short of say Kurt Schilling or Mike Messina, you know, he's the one who's getting the benefit of the doubt because of that fame aspect and because of his association uh, with that Braves dynasty. Are we are we just seeing kind of a Greg Maddox really long coattail, basically? I, yeah, I think Mo Maddox and Glavin, yeah, and Cox. Um, you know, we had three Braves go in last year, so the elector is obviously a, 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 something of an Atlanta mind right now. Um but you know, look, I, I don't want to take anything away from from what he accomplished. I mean, Smoltz was is a uh, you know was a great strikeout pitcher, top three thousand strikeouts, you know, and and like I said, you know, won a Cy Young award. Uh, probably after Kurt Schilling, the best postseason pitcher of this, uh, uh, you know, of, of the past 30, 30 years or so. Um, you know, it's a it's a it's a compelling resume. Um, it's worth remembering that. You know, with, with this class is going to see, um, you know, we have we since 1991 we've we've only seen one pitcher, one starting pitcher with less than 300 wins uh, get elected by the writers. That was Burt Blylevin, and it took uh, uh, 14 years and a knockdown, dragout fight, and uh, the introduction of uh, uh, Jaws and other sabermetric ways of looking at things uh, for him to get in. So we're going to get Pedro in this year. Um, and you know, if we get Smoltz in too, that's two guys with well under 300 wins. Um, I think we, you know, might, might be sticking the fork in that as the, uh, as the only route into the hall for a starting pitcher and, uh, uh, which is, is good news. And eventually when it comes to guys like, uh, Schilling and Messina, uh, and down the road, Roy Halladay and, uh, um, you know, who knows who else we'll have to see who else stays healthy long enough to, to put themselves in range. And has there been any progress in the the PED department looking at the numbers so far? Is there any evidence of an evolution in the thinking of voters? Um, you know, I think we're seeing, I think we're going to see, uh, you know, Bonds and Clemens creep upwards uh, a bit. Maybe not much. They always they tend to fall off uh, uh, between the public ballots and the and the and the and the, uh, the non public ones, the private ones, shall we say. Um, but I think they're going to be above 40 percent, uh, which you know would be high, their highest uh, in the three years. 
Um, I think we're seeing the Whisper campaign guys, uh, Jeff Bagwell and, and Mike Piazza, move upwards. Piazza to just about, just you know, right around the threshold of election. Um, you know, that'll be a. I think that'll be a um, a victory in and of itself. Uh, stick the knife in the people who uh, uh, you know would uh, uh, point their finger without having any evidence. Uh, you know, of, of wrongdoing and and. Uh, uh, you know, I think it's it's slow progress and it's agonizingly slow in some ways. But um, I think that that's that's progress. On the other hand, I look at Gary Sheffield with his 500 home runs and and uh, uh, some pretty impressive credentials, and and he looks like he's in danger of uh, winding up uh, below five percent. He's at 7.46 percent on the uh, uh, the public tracker here. That's 10 votes so far out of 134. Um, you know, he's a guy who uh, was named in Balco, supposedly, uh, you, know, you know, she trained with Barry Bonds for a while and, and by his own uh, uh, admission, you know, unwittingly used the cream on scars on his knees uh, without knowing that it was, uh, you know, full of testosterone. And, uh, um, you know, so for him to fall off, uh, I think would be uh, a disappointment and an evidence that you know, maybe the electorate's not evolving as quickly on PEDs as, uh, as we might hope. Is Sheffield possibly just a, ca- a casualty of the 10-man ballot? And you know, I think that's very possible, yes. Um, I, you know, I think that uh, that can't be discounted, especially when we've got, uh, you know, by many people's count, 15 or 16 guys that uh, they would consider voting for. You know, he falls below my mark on Jaws. Um, because he's got an outlier of a defensive, uh, negative defensive total. But when I look at it com- and compare it to uh, uh, other methodologies uh, that aren't such outliers, uh, by a difference of maybe like 80 to 80 or 90 runs, um, and baseball prospectus I think is, is one of the friendlier ones to him, you know, maybe that he's, he's a lot closer. Um, so yeah, maybe it's just maybe it's just the crowd on the ballot. It's still one way or the other. It's, it's going to, you know, it's, it's going to be a bit of a... a, a a drag to see him fall off so quickly uh, without really getting, uh, you know, a shot on his own merits. Well, all right. I'm going to, I'm going to bring up my favorite, uh, my favorite uh, pet cause and uh, Mike Mussina. And I'm as small hall as they get. And my, my ballot this year had five names on it. That's just, that's just the way I am, but I understand uh, others might see it. But one of those five names was Mike Mussina. Uh, what's it going to take to get him into the Hall of Fame? It seems like, you know, he's got about the same resume as Kurt Schilling minus a bloody sock. I mean, is it? I, is that... I, I don't think. I don't think. You know, I think. I think so far, Messina's uh, problem is also the crowd on the ballot and the fact that he has gone up against pitchers with 300 wins, uh, you know, and and pitchers with Cy Young awards, multiple Cy Young awards, and you know, he he doesn't have that. Um, he doesn't have either of those. Uh, but you know, he's polling at, uh, 38% right now. I think it's just going to take time. I think he's on, you know, he's, he looks like he could possibly come close to doubling his support from last year. You know, there was initial concern that he wouldn't even get the, you know, the 5% he needed to stay on. Um, you know, he's out of those woods. I think it's just going to take, you know, seven, eight years, uh, for him to climb in or at least five or six years, you know, there's going to, there's not going to be anybody. Uh, with anything close to his 270 wins to fall back on, you know, a metric that uh, I don't really advocate using as a yardstick, but uh, uh, certainly uh, but it's used a number. Of the, yeah, a number of the voters are still using it. Let's put it that way. You know, I think that uh, 
we're not going to we're not going to see anybody with that many wins on the ballot for a long time. Um, so he's you know, and I think he's gonna he's gonna fare better than uh, let's just say Jim Cott and Tommy John did. Uh, both of those guys aged off the ballot uh, uh, despite having win totals in the two eighties while Burp Blylevin got elected because he was. Uh, uh, a much stronger pitcher in terms of strikeouts and run prevention. What's your position on strategic voting? And are you surprised that we haven't seen more of it? Because with a quarter of the ballots in, roughly, it looks like only one guy has not voted for Randy Johnson and maybe three have not put Pedro on their ballot. I think it's, you know, I think it's inevitable. I don't have, I don't really have a problem with it. I don't want to see everybody doing it, but I don't mind somebody who, you know, says in good conscience that they feel like, you know, their, their vote on rent, like, you know, um, uh, Mike Berardino, um, um, twins beat writer said, you know, Randy Johnson and, and Pedro Martinez, you know, I fully believe they're hall of famers. They don't need my vote though. Larry Walker, uh, you know, and some of these other guys do, um, you know, and I think that they're worthy. So, you know, he's, he was somebody who, uh, you know, threw, you know, threw himself in front of the bus, so to speak. Uh, in order, in, in order to cast those those votes, and uh, he's taken you know a fair amount of criticism, and I, I think you know it's um, you know he stood up to it, uh, and you know I, I don't have a problem with it. I, I you know I want to see I want to see what somebody explain their their rationale, and I, you know if they're if they're doing it to uh, let's say to give uh, Rich Aurelia a vote, you know because he was you know he was nice to them one day on the field or something like that, or, you know, or if it's, uh, um, I don't know, you know, there, I mean, just any one of a number of guys that, that uh, are going to be one and done and probably shouldn't even get the token vote. Um, if somebody was doing it for that, I, I would have a problem with it, but I, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with, uh, uh, you know, some of the strategic voting. I think it's inevitable. Uh, I think it shows just how broken the system is uh, that, you know, people are looking for coping strategies and that, you know, they're coming up with uh, some different ones. In my case, you know, I, you know, when I looked at it and I did mine, uh, I had to do a certain amount of, uh, you know, gaming the ballot myself uh, for my hypothetical ballot. So here's a kind of a super philosophical question for you. It seems that we've kind of entered an age where um, instead of voting for players themselves and their records, we're kind of voting for avatars for bigger cultural clashes, if you will, in the uh, uh, in baseball, you know the Clemens and Bonds and, and the PED issue is the obvious one. But then you get into, you know, a case like Larry Walker. How do you feel about Park Effects slash Colorado mm-hmm. slash? How can you, you know, how can you adjust those numbers and and do that? You know, Bagwell's kind of the avatar for the guy who had the Whisper campaign, but there's never been any, you know, sniff of anything resembling evidence um, against him. Um, I'm I'm wondering whether you feel that that's that's accurate. That we're we're kind of now we're Hall of Fame balloting has become something more than than just about the players and and more about the cultural issues, or maybe it's always been like that. I'm I'm wondering uh, what your take is on that. Yeah, I, I I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure that I that I entirely. I I see your point. I'm not sure if I entirely agree with it. I think that you know each of these players is and you know having you know poured over them and and you know written you know. In some cases, more than three thousand words on them. I, 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 you know, I think I, I see them as individuals, and I see, you know, Bonds and Clemens. Yes, I think you could sort of pair them together because of you know the the heights to which they scaled and the and the depths to which they scaled, and and you know the fact that both were, you know, targets of of uh, you know uh, publicly funded uh, uh, legal trials that probably should never have gone forward. They were great wastes of taxpayer money. 
Um, I think Bonds, I heard something like $50, $60 million was wasted on, on prosecuting him, which is just appalling um, when you think of what that, what that uh, money could have gone towards. You know, and so I, I'm reluctant to try to reduce to to let these guys be reduced to symbols. I mean, you know, you could say you know Edgar Martinez carrying a banner for the DHS, Larry Walker for the Park Effects guys, uh, you know, Mike Messina for the non 300 win guys or whatever. I mean, you could probably attach a cause to just about any of them, and uh, you know, at a certain point. But I think that uh, um, I don't know that that's necessarily the only explanation. I think we, you know, the 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 electorate is large enough and unwieldy enough that those patterns may not necessarily hold because these guys are so you know these these players are so you know idiosyncratic in and of themselves that uh, you know it's not uh, uh, just automatic as to you know who gets in. So we got a couple of questions from listeners. One named Alex asked us whether anything and and if so what would actually make us angry at this point, given how (laughs) repetitive and played out these debates are. He mentioned that Messina falling off the ballot would make him angry. Is there anything that at this point has the capacity to anger you after doing this for so many winters? Um, You know, well, I think Bijou not getting in this year would anger me. Um, (laughs) You know, just because, you know, look, I don't even, I'm not even sure he's one of the 10 best candidates, you know, but I don't want to see the poor bastard languish you know two votes short one year and like five votes short another year it's like just get it over with get him in so so that people can use that slot to vote for somebody else because it's inevitable that he gets in and I, I you know i just i hate seeing um i hate knowing that there are guys who took ridiculously long to get in and did not have the chance to enjoy it as individuals you know ron santo uh, elected one year after he was in Gary Carter took six years to get in and then, you know, died young because of a brain tumor, shit like that. Uh, you know, that just, that, that kind of stuff infuriates me. Um, you know, beyond that, I mean, I, I'd be disappointed for, you know, in certain trends or outcomes, I would certainly be disappointed, you know, be angry if, if, if Tim Raines, if it turned out Tim Raines lost ground instead of gaining ground. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, I mean, I think I have a, I'm pretty braced for, you know, for a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of the ways this can go. Like I suspect Larry Walker and Gary Sheffield could fall off the ballot. I, you know, I know Alan Trammell's never going to make it. That makes me angry, you know, in and of itself, but I don't know that there's anything that I could foresee coming out of left field that would suddenly, you know, make me incredibly angry, except maybe the, maybe that BGO not getting in this year scenario. Are there any annoying narratives that you've noticed new ones this winter or ones that have become repeated more often or popularized? Like the, the, the one that I've seen a lot is the, the John Smoltz saves total and combining his staves and wins total to produce a, a super milestone total of saves plus wins. I haven't, you know, the, uh, to be honest with you, Ben, the only person I've seen do that is you, um, <laughs> which and, you know, in a great article, you know, that you did for, you know, for which you, you, you know, you do ask me some questions and, and whatever. I am not reading a whole lot of the explanations of, of, of these guys. I'm, you know, I'll, I'll read the explanations of the writers that I, you know, that I'm friendly with and the ones that I know are, are fairly Jaws flavored. I'm not reading the ones that I know are going to infuriate me. I just, my, my, my capacity is just, you know, over, I'm not going to, I don't want to read Howard Bryant's explanation just to, just to throw a name out there uh, for a ridiculously short ballot. 
Um, I was on set having to hear Marty Noble's uh, uh, three man ballot. You know, I, I like. I guess the one the one narrative the one narrative that really bothers me is just the idea that there's that nobody from this era should get in and and why why should I even keep voting? I'm never going to elect. You know, I'm never going to vote for anybody from the steroid era. You know, guys who've turned in their ballots, you know, and say they're never going to vote again from, you know, from last year. I think Ken Gurnick was one of them. And that narrative, you know, please. I, I just, if you think that the, that the hitters were the only ones, you know, using PEDs, I certainly have, you know, several bridges I'd like to sell you. Um, so that narrative bothers me. The Smoltz one, you know, he's so unique. It's such a unique career. I mean, it's, you know, not quite Dennis Eckersley, but it's unique enough that, like, you know, it's going to find its own niche in terms of a story. So I'm not sure that there's one, that there are any others that that really bothered me uh, to that extent. So, Jay, the... I'm sure that uh, after the votes are announced, we'll start hearing again about uh, changes in the balloting structure. Um, I'm wondering, you think that's actually going to happen or are we just kind of stuck here for the for the time being? Well, OK, um, I was on the committee that uh, you know, the BBWA committee that uh, uh, examined various uh, ways that we could change the process. You know, we it was strongly hinted to, hinted to us that certain things were not going to change at all. That seventy five percent isn't going anywhere. You know, for one, um, the morals clause isn't going anywhere. You know, and I think that that uh, um, those two aspects, you know, are are are, are you know we're we're stuck with uh, for better or for worse. Um, but when the hall made that change. Uh, to shorten the eligibility from 15 years to 10, it opened the door for us to, uh, to you know, to to try to you know get our own tweak in there, and you know we've we've uh, we we produced a fairly lukewarm suggestion of of uh, uh, expanding from 10 slots to 12, and that was because uh, we did not think that the hall would go for 15, uh, even on the committee which was created to. Uh, sample a broad spectrum of consent of, uh, of viewpoints within the BBWA. Uh, you know, there were people on the committee who didn't think that we needed to do anything, uh, you know, to the size of the ballot. Uh, you know, 12 is, is, is a start. Um, I suspect that if we get three or four or five in, the hall is just probably going to say, well, what do you mean? We got, we're electing people left and right here. Um, and, you know, in a short term sense, they're not going to be incorrect. No longer, you know, in a big picture sense, the longer term, you know, my numbers show that that there's been a bottleneck that goes all the way back to 1969, basically, uh, to that expansion and to the, you know, to the the um, you know levels of representation per team per year uh, is way down. And you know, the idea that you know expansion has diluted the talent pool, you know, that idea falls flat on its face when you consider how great how greatly the talent pool has actually expanded with, uh, you know, more players coming from Latin America and, and from Asia, um, you know, and uh, uh, things like that. So I will be surprised if the hall, you know, grants us this expansion to 12. Uh, it would be a, a landmark change long overdue, but uh, I suspect that, that a, a heavy, a, 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 heavy class of four or five is going to make that harder for harder to pass this year. But I don't think the problem is going away. 
Uh, and I do think that uh, uh, it's an issue that will uh, rear its head again uh, within the next few years. We got another email question from Eric who asked about the possibility of some kind of objective benchmarks or criteria because the subjective nature of the voting can get frustrating at times. And as someone who's designed a system that has been very helpful uh, in judging whether certain guys are worthy or not, would you even want to see that? I mean, it's far-fetched, but if you could, would you try to, would you prefer that we had some system that just put guys in automatically if they met certain statistical oh, standards? I can't really see where where we'd want that to happen. I think, it, you know, I think that, first of all, I can't see the hall ever going for it. The hall is explicitly, you know, very comfortable with the idea that, that voters are, are applying, you know, some subjective viewpoint of, of what makes a hall of famer. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just reading something that Jeff Idelson said, and I'm trying to remember where it was, but um, it was it was on one of the one of the one of the newspapers uh, uh, collections of ballots. Like here are our, you know here's how we voted here. I'll think of it in a minute. You know I think that that the game has the capacity to change such that I don't think we want to tie ourselves to to given numbers. I mean 500 home runs now means something different than what it did you know 25 years ago 300 wins means something very different from what it meant 50 years ago tying ourselves to number to certain numbers even to even to like a war total uh, i think is 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 the wrong move because i mean with war you know we you know we those formulas are subject to revision i mean when i was using uh, baseball prospectuses wins above replacement player you know the the formulas would get tweaked. The fielding system changed a couple times. The replacement level rose drastically, such that you know it, it locked about you know twenty warp off of some some of the top end players, maybe even thirty warp. You know tying yourself to a number like that, I you know you you just you limit your capacity to evolve, uh, I think, and you've got just one more layer of, uh, of, of of red tape to overcome to you know to make change happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the best solution is education, and and you know I'm encouraged that the work that I've done has has penetrated the electorate, and you know that there are people who, you know, they may not be voting exactly, you know, according to Jaws, but that's something that they're looking at. And I had, you know, people, uh, voter, you know, voters, uh, writers I respect, you know, one-on-one consultations for you know the final slot, final slot on their ballot when they got down to three or four guys, you know, things like that. Um, I'm satisfied that that uh, uh, we are getting a you know we we are getting a more educated electorate slowly but surely. If you look at the uh, the ballot, uh, the votes per ballot, I mean, I think we're going to be um, you know well above eight again this year. Um, you know, pushing nine on the public ballots right now. You know, vote, these voters are taking this seriously. They're using their slots uh, that they have, and uh, um, I think that that's uh, that's an encouraging sign. And do you think we're going to be, see an especially active veterans committee, or I guess it would be the expansion committee? Oh, the uh, veterans committee is a whole separate problem, and I, you know, I think um, uh, I, I, you know, I was frustrated by the by the lack of anybody getting in uh, in December. I, I thought that there were you know a few candidates who would be fine additions to the Hall of Fame with Dick Allen and uh, um, Minnie Minoso, my top two there, and Ken Boyer and and uh, 
uh, Bob Housem, I think two very worthy candidates as well. I, I think uh, via Joe Posnanski, Tom Tango illustrated the problem um, you know, of having, if you've got 10 candidates who are more or less equal uh, and you know, each voter can only name four uh, on their ballot, uh, another 16, there's like something like a half a percent chance that anybody gets the necessary 75%. Um, and it's just it's a rigged system. You don't have enough slots uh, to produce a result, and you know there's there's no reason to sh that the you know we, nobody wants the Hall of Fame to be automatic, and there's no reason but there's no reason to rig the game to such an extent that nobody's going to get in. You know, especially because these guys you know are human beings and they have their hopes dashed. Uh, you know, every three years or whatever, and that's just you know cruel and unfair. You know, I, I can't even imagine the spectrum of emotions that a guy like Dick Allen must have gone through, uh, you know, the last two months uh, uh, with, you know, public campaign being mounted on his behalf by, you know, friends and, and colleagues and stuff like that. Um, I think that there needs to be a reform there. Um, you know, they've tinkered with it so much. There's, you know, there's no reason to think they won't tinker with it again. I would expect changes to be announced in July. They usually save that stuff for... Uh, when everybody's gathered in Cooperstown for the inductions and announce new rules next year, you know maybe it's something as simple as <clears throat> allowing each you know allowing each voter to list six in a, in a, a you know out of on a twelve you know on a twelve candidate slate, each increase the odds a little bit better. Uh, I don't know. I I think that the the Veterans Committee is still designed mostly to produce no results at all, um, and that the fact that the the uh, uh, the bench is packed with half half Hall of Famers, um, you know, it's it's guys who are protecting the country club, you know, protecting their own country club from from intrusion, you know, because the, the, when when we put when the, when the Hall put it in the hands of uh, the living Hall of Famers, uh, nobody got very close in the elections in the in the uh, mid two thousands. Now looking ahead to next year's ballot, it's kind of the only no doubter that's coming onto the ballot is uh, is is Ken Griffey Jr. Um, I'm wondering what uh, what would be your uh, your prognostication for what that's going to do to the bottleneck uh, that we've talked about in the past, and uh, you know who kind of stands to uh, to most benefit from that. Well, I before I, I mean I would say that that uh, uh, it's probably going to be a year of consolidation. I, I would think that if um, if Piazza and Bagwell don't don't get in this year, next year is a very clear opening for them to get in uh, alongside Griffey. Um, I think that uh, you know Trevor Hoffman's also going to be there, but I don't think he's going to be anything close to automatic, especially when Billy Wagner's on the ballot. The two have almost identical jaw uh, uh, war and jaws uh, across the board, but uh, Wagner's got uh, you know a few hundred, uh, few you know 180, 179 fewer saves. Um, I think people will see uh, uh, the basing it just on the saves total is maybe uh, uh, a bit folly. It's going to depend on what happens, on how big this class is. But, you know, if let's just say if Piazza gets in, then maybe next next year you look to Bagwell and, geez, perhaps even Reigns. If, if Reigns, you know, gets above 60 percent, you know, I think we could see, uh, you know, guys getting a lot closer. I mean, you know, right now Schilling in the public balloting is at 55%. Maybe he gets closer. You know, it'll, I think it'll have a ripple effect depending on how big this this year's class is. And, 
looking ahead even a year after that. Uh, Pudge, uh, Pudge Rodriguez and Vlad Guerrero as, uh, as the top candidates. Um, you know, I would say, you know, I would say Pudge is probably under normal circumstances would be an automatic, but, uh, you know, he was named by Canseco as a, as a PED user. Who knows what that's going to have, what kind of effect that's going to have. Vlad Guerrero, certainly a great career, but, you know, kind of faded in his mid thirties and, and, you know, his, so his career numbers are short and the advanced metrics don't love him. Um, I have him, uh, just, uh, you know, about eight, about eight points short on Jaws, for example, you know, I think we we could see you know another year of consolidation. You know, after that, where you know some of the, some of these guys that we've been complaining about not getting enough support do get in. Who knows? I mean, Mike Messina might might be above fifty percent by then. Um, I'm going to have to look at uh, uh, last year. I did I did a t- kind of a five year roadmap for what I what I expected to happen. Uh, that's going to change. I'm going to have to revisit that this year. You know, in light of the rule change and and uh, uh, whatever these this year's results produce. All right. So where can people watch you and read whatever you write in response to the results tomorrow? Okay. Well, uh, I am going to be on uh, MLB Network's MLB Now. Uh, it'll be on at 4 o'clock, uh, two hours after the Hall of Fame announcement. That's, uh, that'll, so that, that'll be on, uh, uh, on Tuesday. I will have uh, stuff at SI.com on Monday, uh, kind of my what to look for on the ballot. And uh, Tuesday, I will have some kind of reaction piece up there. Uh, maybe Wednesday I'll have uh, you know the next what the next five years look like, and uh, who knows we may, might have some other fun stuff to to spin out of it uh, before we put this uh, topic entirely to rest. All right, and everyone can go back and read your other articles that are already up yes. at SI. Uh, all the link to all breakdowns. over the SI.com uh, MLB page, um, including my link to my to my uh, my ten very hard choices. Uh, which I, I referred to actually, and, and might as well get this in here since uh, uh, since we didn't uh, actually. But I had uh, I gamed Smoltz off the ballot because I didn't think he would get in this year, uh, and I put Biggio on, and I had uh, uh, Schilling on and Messina off uh, for similar reasons, um, and then I had Edgar Martinez on. So uh, I had my my full ten, and it was tough choices. And uh, you can read about that more at si.com as well. And you can find Jay on Twitter at Jay underscore Jaffe. Uh, thanks, as always, Jay. Good luck getting through the next day or two. I'll make it. I'll be all right. <laughs> thanks, guys. All right. Uh, so that's it for today. Please send us some email questions for Wednesday at podcast at baseballperspectus.com. You can join the Facebook group to talk about Cooperstown stuff if you want at facebook.com slash groups slash effectively wild. Rate and review and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and support our sponsor by going to baseballreference.com, subscribing to the Play Index using the coupon code BP, and getting the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. We will be back later this week.